0: All right, good morning hope you guys are having a great day. It's going to be a wonderful day. We are so glad uh, you're here with us and you're at the house today here at Riverside. So if, uh, if, uh, if it's your first time here, I want to say welcome. My name is Corey Trevath and this is Jason Graves and I'll explain why he's here more in a minute. It's not just to terrorize me, which he's good at, but there is a purpose. Hey, we're glad you're here. Uh, I want to go ahead and let you know about some things that are coming up uh, down the road just a short distance away. Can you believe it's the middle of February? It's a Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to all To all of you in the room, hopefully uh, it's already been a good start to your day. I see a lot of red out there; it's it's a great day. But we're only two weeks away from March. Can you believe that? And uh, coming in March, we're going to be launching an Easter series. Uh, You'll see the graphic behind me uh, called "Let Hope Arise." And so I want to let you know about that now. That's coming in the month of March. We'll be uh, walking up towards Easter together, looking forward to that great day together. So it's a great time to invite your friends. It's a great time to invite your coworkers, your neighbors to come and join us here at Riverside and to be a part of of this season. Easter is always one of those days when it seems like everybody comes to church. And so uh, this would be a great time for you to invite uh, your friends, your family to come join us and be with us at Riverside as we talk about hope and we talk about Jesus in the month of March. Following March... Uh, in April, we'll have a series uh, along the lines of family, and we'll tell you more about that as we get a little bit closer, but I want to mention that because part of that is uh, going to be this idea of us launching what we're calling an at-home center, an at-home resource center, and, and that's going to be in our lobby. Uh, you'll, you'll remember just a few months ago, we had a, a campaign called the 752 campaign where we asked our families to... To, to be more intentional about praying together. And that was one of our first uh, at-home campaigns. We'll be launching another one of those in April. And we'll tell you more about that. But part of that is 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 setting up a, a place and a space uh, here at Riverside where families uh, can be resourced, can get ideas and encouragement and different things that will hopefully equip you and help you and bless you as you're raising your children to know Jesus and love Jesus and serve Jesus. And so you're gonna be seeing some, uh, some, some modifications, some updates, some renovations in the lobby in the coming weeks as we get ready for that uh, because we wanna have a, a place and a space out there. A family, as you know, is one of our pillars. It's one of those things we believe in strongly here at Riverside. It's a big deal for us. And so it's important. And so we're going to make some changes to kind of accommodate that and make that a priority here in this place. And that's part of also, as we talk about community, about us creating a, a, an environment when, when people walk in, when we walk in. Uh, this is kind of our house. This is where we gather every week. We want it to be a place we're proud of and that we want to bring our friends to. So along with that, there'll be some other uh, things in the lobby that will hopefully make that space even, even better than it already is. And believe me, uh, we hear you. And, and I've heard this in my short time here, that even in this room, as you look at the pews and you look at the carpet, if you look, don't look down too long, because you realize that we need some, some updates in this room as well. And that's coming. There's some conversations going on. I want you to know about that. Uh, we're going to need your participation. We're going to need you to be a part of that conversation. And there'll be more of that as we kind of talk about that in the coming weeks. But know, but know that all that we're trying to do uh, as, we, as we gather here every week is create a space and a place where, where you feel warm and invited, where your friends feel warm and invited, where we can create a place and a space and an environment where people can come in and experience Jesus. If you were here last week, we talked about that very fact. Uh, we're, we're in the middle of talking about community. And last week we talked about what does it mean to be a community gathered? What happens when we come together? And what's so important about this one hour a week? And we talked about the fact that we want to be... We wanna be a tree. And that may sound ridiculous if if you missed last week, but there's a story about Jesus and this guy named Zacchaeus. And if you've heard the VBS song, Zacchaeus, the only way he was able to catch a glimpse of Jesus, the only way he was able to encounter Jesus was to climb this sycamore tree. And what better metaphor, what better thing for us to be as a people gathered, as a community gathered in this place, than to be that kind of place where people can come and be lifted up and put in a position to where they can see Jesus, where they can have an encounter with Jesus. And yeah, that means, that means sometimes we think of what we do in this hour through a different filter, uh, that we wanna do things that are gonna enable people, people that are different from us to have an experience with Jesus, to have an encounter with Jesus. Maybe that means that, that sometimes we have to step out of our comfort zone just a little bit. Maybe that means that sometimes we have a, a spirit of generosity, not just with our money and as we give, but even in, even in what we do in worship, that we are generous people. And that we're always looking to be more like Christ in every way. Because we want you, if you come here every week, to have a growing relationship with Jesus. And we want you, if you come here and it's your first time, we want you to come back next week. Because we want to see the church grow. Not that it's about us, but it's about the church of God, the church of Jesus Christ. And seeing it grow every, every week, every month, every year as more and more people come to encounter Jesus and come to know Jesus. And I think we can all agree on this one fact, that there is absolutely nothing we wouldn't do to help somebody have an encounter with Jesus. There's nothing we wouldn't do to help someone come to know and experience this same Jesus that you and I know, the same Jesus that we love and the same one that we serve. Because it's all about him. And so we talked about what does it mean to be a community gathered, but today we want to talk about, this is kind of one pillar, one word that that kind of shines two directions. Today we want to talk about what does it mean to be a community, not just gathered, but to be a community scattered. And so I've asked Jason, Jason, if you don't know Jason, he has a huge heart for this church, but also for our community. So I've asked him to kind of help me today have this conversation about what does it mean to be a community scattered?
1: Yeah, we've been thinking through this, you know, for a long time that, you have these two sides of the church, the church that gathers here um, on, a, on a Sunday morning and then the, the church that, that is out in the world, out in the community. And when, when we typically think of the church, this is the picture you get, right, is what we're doing right now, where we come together, we sing songs together, uh, we worship, we take communion. Maybe it's that we gather together so we can do some act of service uh, as a as a community of faith or a smaller you know, smaller groups, but that's what we t- typically think about is us being together, the church gathered, and that's true. That's a big part of our identity. But I'll be generous about this. Let's say that's our identity for about two hours a week, right? About two hours a week is when we're gathered all together. And that's, that's who we are as the church gathered. There's, I think I've done the math right, I think there's 166 more hours in the week. A big chunk of the time is still left. And in that time, our identity as a church is that we are people that are scattered. We're everywhere. And maybe scattered isn't the right word, because scattered sounds a little uh, like scatterbrained, right? I mean, it, it sounds kind of haphazard. Um, and I don't use that word very often. Um, it, sounds, it sounds a little haphazard. But maybe a word better is sent, dispersed. We, we're sent out with a purpose and a mission into the broader community. So we're a community of faith sent out to love, love on the community. And I kind of wanted to get a feel for that this morning. So I want to ask you to help me out. Uh, raise your hand, if you would, if you live in Capel. If you live in Coppell, would you raise your hand? All right, that's a that's a that's a decent chunk of the room, right? Uh, how about Irving? Raise your hand if you live in Irving. Okay, thank you. Louisville, that's me. Kind of a Louisville contingent right here in the middle. I didn't I didn't know we were such a clique uh, right over here. I don't even know where you people live. Uh, Carrollton, yeah. Farmer's Branch. Uh, What else am I missing? Colleyville. Oh, I miss Flower Mound. Yeah, I can't miss Flower Mound. They won't talk to me ever again. There we go. Flower Mound. Uh, Keller. I know some Keller. Grapevine. Anywhere else that I haven't mentioned. Frisco. Dallas. I know Dallas. Where's Pete? Yeah. We're all over the place. Do you realize how big a swath of area that is? It, and, and I think at times we think about that as being too spread out. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe there's times when it is too spread out for us to come back together. But, on a, but, but if you look at it a different way, it's a pretty powerful image, right? To know that this, this medium-sized church, 500 members or so, is spread out that much as ambassadors of Christ's love. That many people spread out into the world on a weekly basis to show the love of Christ to other people. Ministers of reconciliation. That's a powerful, powerful idea. Now the question is, can we take that seriously, right? And this is a church that's tried to do that. We, we have thought through so many ways of how do we take that take that seriously. And it raises all the questions we want to talk about today. Okay. If we are the church scattered and we want to be ministers for Christ wherever we're at, what does that mean? And what does that look like? How do we do that? How do we encourage each other to do that? And those are some of the things that we want to we want to touch on today. Now, we from the outset we want to say this. We know that there's lots of answers to those questions. And so we're going to try to, to kind of focus our, our idea today and kind of focus on one aspect of that. And we feel like this video uh, that we're going to start with um, really kind of helps to get, us, get the ball rolling in that conversation. Let's, let's watch this short video together.
2: Hundreds of Edmond High School students are getting a real lesson in love on this Valentine's Day Eve. Here's what happened this morning. Every girl received candy and a special note from an anonymous student. He quietly shared a simple gesture of love with more than 1,000 students. News Channel 4's Lance West introduces us to the young man with a giant heart and his labor of love. Flowers, candy, and public displays of affection. It's supposed to be the most romantic day of the year, but Valentine's Day can be downright hurtful for those without a special someone. Here at Edmund Memorial High School, there are no lonely hearts this year. And you could just tell all the girls were surprised and smiling and it was a really nice surprise for them. All 1,076 female students were surprised with candy. Everyone loves getting candy on Valentine's Day. And a very special message.
0: Every girl in my class got one. And they say, remember, there will always be people who care about you, and I will always be one of them. Love Anonymous. He wanted to stay anonymous, but I have a feeling a good deed like this is going to get out.
2: Secrets are hard to keep, especially in high school. It didn't take long for the Bulldog student body to learn who was behind this random act of kindness. You're not trying to steal any girlfriend. No, no, no. Dan Williams is an Eagle Scout. Courteous and kind, that's his motto. Tip. Know that somebody out there cares about them. Because that's one of the best feelings in the world, I think. This high school senior has been planning his grand gesture since last summer, working on jobs to raise the money. Four weeks ago, I didn't have enough money. I was uh, 140 short. But the Lord provided... Dan doesn't have a valentine of his own, yet... It's just the sweetest gesture. I'm sure he's going to have all the
1: girls coming for him now, but...
2: A good deed creating a tidal wave of love on a day when anxiety and expectations can be so high, especially in high school. Well, and Even if it's just for a day, it means a lot. In Edmont, Lance West, News Channel 4. That is one sweet kid. That yeah, is. Good night. And, and Dan did not forget the most important woman in his life. Uh, he tells us the first <laughs> Valentine's gift he bought was for his mom smart
0: kid right can you imagine he's got game that's for sure he's got game yeah watch out man working for almost a year to save up enough money to buy valentine's for 1076 girls at his high school
1: i'm having trouble with my wife and kids (laughs) I, i i can't keep control of valentine's day there it's crazy
0: Unbelievable! This story happened last year in Oklahoma. I don't know if you caught it, but I thought, man, what a great, what a great illustration! And what, man, you know, it's it's videos like these. Why do these grab our hearts and attention? Why, you know, it's what, what I love about it, and the reason videos like this go viral. It's because here is here is a kid, here's here's a high school guy that gets it, that gets it, that gets this idea that everybody needs to feel loved, everybody needs to feel cherished and cared for, and Man, what a way to go buying Valentine's for 1,076 every girl in his high school so that no one would be left out. You know, I think that's really, really a big deal. Um, And I think there's a lot we can learn from that. And maybe one of those things is just this reminder. This reminder that we live in a world where, where often people don't feel that. And maybe today is one of those days where that feeling is heightened for some. Because there are days when people don't feel loved, they don't feel cherished, they don't feel cared for, they don't even feel noticed. And part of that is because, I I don't think it's hard to make this connection, we live in a world where we're we're really quick to to label people. We're really quick to to assign value and, and worth to people. We're really quick, in fact, we're really good at it. In fact, we're so good at it that we don't even know that we do it, but we do this every day because we live in a world full of labels and we, we live in a culture that's really good at assigning t- value to people, ascribing value to people based on their looks or based on their talents or based on their position or based on their abilities, uh, based on what they do for a living. And whatever it is, we've gotten really good at, at, at quickly noticing people and then quickly assigning value to people and deciding whether they're worth our time or not. We live in a world full of labels. And what that leads to is living in a world full of invisible people. You know what I mean by that? Uh, Have you ever had the sensation when you notice somebody, but then you just chose not to notice them? And maybe you don't even notice them at all, but they've been there all along. You know, this is that, I mean, uh, this happens all the time. This is that guy holding the sign, the homeless guy under the bridge. This is this is maybe the, the Walmart greeter at your local store that you walk by and you see her or him every time, but you don't even know their name. This is, you know, this is the person that, that works at your company that's, that, that cleans the floors every, every Monday and you see them all the time, but you don't know who they are. They, they empty your trash can. This is, these are all the people in your life that for whatever reason you've assigned less than value to because of who they are or where you saw them or what they're holding or what they're doing. And because of that, uh, you have lowered their value in your eyes. And you would never say that, but practically that's what we do. And we ascribe less than worth to them. And, and listen, listen, I mean, this is why this is so important. Because if we communicate to the people in our community that based on what they look like or their talents or abilities or position or whatever, that they're not worth our time, our eye contact, our attention. At best, we've miscommunicated the gospel At worst, we've totally abandoned the the mission and the vision and the ministry of Jesus. Because there are people in our lives that, for whatever reason, have become completely invisible to us. We don't even acknowledge their presence. We have assigned less than value to them, and we don't even know their names. That's what happens when we live in a world full of labels.
1: So you have to ask the question, why do we... Why do we do that? And I think part of the reason we do it is because it feels right. Because deep down, even though we may not know how to articulate it, doing that helps us find our own place in the world. It helps us kind of find our own identity, which is what we're looking for. All of us. We're looking for how we fit into this whole crazy thing that's life. And that is one of the ways that we figure it out. We figure it out by placing ourselves on the ladder somewhere and realizing, oh, I'm better than those people. So I know I'm, I'm kind of up in this range. But I'm not quite as good as these people who I would really like to be like. So I'll strive for that. And we put those people kind of a, a ahead of us. And it gives us kind of this place to inhabit in the world which is what we're looking for. And so the problem is, we know deep down as Christians, Christ has called us away from that. But it's hard to give up. It's hard to give up because it feels so safe. It gives us meaning. It gives us what, or the illusion of meaning, I should say. It gives us uh, the illusion of safety and security and stability because we know who we are and we can live in that. But what Jesus tried to say over and over again is, no, no, you got this all wrong. And what I want to come is I want to come and turn that on its ear and show you there's a different way to find your identity. There's a different way to find value and worth for yourself and then to find value and worth for other people. And he did that every he did that everywhere he went. And you had not, not only, I guess his most heated arguments were with religious folks who were trying to fight him on that particular point, but he even had his disciples do this, right? Where he had a couple of guys come and say, hey, Jesus, when, when this all shakes out um, and your kingdom is here, we're going to be on the, like your right-hand guys, right? We're, we're going we're gonna to have the, the prime places in the kingdom, right? He says, you don't get this yet. That's, that's the world's way of ordering this. That's not my way of ordering it. So the question then becomes, if we don't find our value in how the world has, has structured itself, where do we find that value at?
0: Yeah, and Jason's right. Jesus did this all the time. He always, uh, you know, I always call it the great reversal. He turns things upside down. And one of my favorite stories is in Luke 8. So if you have your Bible or if you have your your screen, your device, however you look it up, uh, go to Luke 8. And we're going to pick up in verse 26. Here's a story. And if you can imagine this moment, if you can imagine this scene, Jesus is going to encounter this man who, uh, quite frankly, culture doesn't know what to do with. And, and, and to be even more clear, the people who know God, the people who are religious, who, who, who serve God, they don't know what to do with this guy either. And Jesus is gonna have an encounter with this man who is untouchable, who is off by himself, who has been abandoned by the community and who has been really disregarded in every way. He's the guy that when you see him coming, you go the other way. He's the guy when you see him in the the distance, you divert your eyes. He is is as invisible as you can make him. He is out of touch as you can make him because you don't have a category. You don't know what to do with this guy. And I want you to see what Jesus does with this guy. So in verse 26 of Luke 8, we find the story. So they, this is Jesus and the disciples, they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. And as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. And for a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in a cemetery outside of the town. Now just pause right there. Can you imagine a person more lonely than this man? when is the last time this guy had any human contact? When is the last time he'd had a conversation? When is the last time he'd been regarded as a human being? I mean, this guy was was probably somebody's husband, could have been somebody's father. He was somebody's son. He was somebody's friend. And now he's on the fringe of the community. Basically left for dead, abandoned, rejected, dejected, alone isolated completely disregarded can you feel like can you feel what this what this man must have felt like i mean have you ever been that completely and utterly disregarded and alone and abandoned not only by the community then maybe that's one thing but to be around a place where there are people of god And to still be so disregarded. Verse 28. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and he fell down in front of him. And he screamed. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of him. Even when he was placed under guard, and put in chains and shackles. He simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. What what do you do with a guy like this? How do you label him? What place place would he even have in our culture? What would would we do in this moment? I, I mean, let's just be honest. I would take my kids and hide, right? I mean, I would try to to look for a safe place. I would, I would try to shield their eyes. I wouldn't want them to see what was going on in front of them because we don't have a category for this. But Jesus, that's not what Jesus saw. That's what I love about the story. I mean, what you and I see is we see a man that's, that's, that's critically ill, demon possessed. He's got massive problems. He's, He's he's possessed by demons, he's naked, he's living homeless in his cemetery, he's pushed to the fringe of society, and maybe for good reason. That's what we see, and that's how we label this guy, but that is not what Jesus sees, and that is not how Jesus labels this guy. In fact, Jesus asked him a question, and this question, I believe, man, it may be the most important question you and I could ever ask anybody, but especially someone that has felt what this man is feeling. Verse 30. Jesus demanded. And by the way, these are the first words Jesus says to the man, right? These are the first red red letters in Luke in the story. Jesus said, what's your name? What is your name? You see what I love about this question? I mean, when's the last time anybody asked this guy what his name was? When's the last time anybody took the time? When's the last time anybody stood still and looked this man in the eye and asked him the question, gave them their full attention and said, what, what's your name? You see, what, what I love about Jesus is what he does in this moment, I mean, don't, don't you agree with this? Is he restores this man's worth and value as a human being, as a person created in the image of God. And yeah, this guy does not have it all together. This guy needs the explicit touch of Jesus Christ. There is no doubt about that. But what he does in this moment, before he does anything else, is he restores the value and the worth of this man by asking him a question. And this is a powerful question. If if you've ever been around kids, you know this question is true. You know it's a powerful question because one of the most powerful things you can ever do for a kid is call them by name. If you're a teacher, if you're an educator, I think you could nod your head and agree with this. When you, as soon as you can learn your kids' names, the better off you are because there is nothing that a kid loves more than hearing their name called by an adult. And there's nothing that you love more, if you're honest, than having your name called by someone that you, that you look up to and respect and admire. When, they, when you realize that they know your name, what do you feel? You feel valued. You feel worth in that moment. And what Jesus does when he calls this man, he says, what's your name? In that moment, he's given. He's restoring to this guy the full value and the full worth that he has as a person because Jesus teaches us that every person, and here's the point, every person is a person of immeasurable worth. Every person is a person of immeasurable
1: worth. And we can say that with confidence because this is not an isolated incident for Jesus, the story about the the... Uh, demon-possessed man. This is a lifestyle for Jesus. This is how he moves through the world. And so he does crazy things like touch people with with, uh, really contagious skin diseases. Um, He he calls children to him and gives them worth and value. He talks to people that he's not supposed to talk to uh, culturally. It's a no-no, and he crosses that line Uh, several times. He calls people by name on a regular basis. You know, there's this beautiful story in John after Jesus is crucified and then he's raised from the dead and Mary comes to the garden and she's looking for the body and she ends up talking to who she thinks is the gardener. She doesn't recognize that it's Jesus. She doesn't recognize him until this really incredible moment where Jesus says her name. He says, Mary, and all of a sudden, everything comes rushing back. You know, we talked about the story from last week, Zacchaeus. Um, nobody tells Jesus Zacchaeus' name. I mean, maybe, maybe somewhere along the way somebody told him a story. about the tax collector in town, but it, it, we don't have that part. Jesus just looks up in the tree and says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. What, what must that have felt like for Zacchaeus to hear his name spoken by this teacher who shouldn't know him at all? It's a powerful, uh, powerful thing. Now, here's the trick, okay, about all those stories. There's no one way to categorize them, okay? If, if, if you're looking for a way to then pull out of that and say, okay, so if I look at the stories of Jesus, then I should know what kind of people I'm looking for to go try to, to, to give them value and to restore their, their worth. The problem is um, it's, it's people of all kinds, I mean, our minds go to those who are marginalized, and I think that's wonderful. That should happen to those who are, uh, are homeless or forgotten or oppressed or invisible. Yes, our minds should go to those. But there are people around us all the time, no matter where we are, that need that kind of recognition and love, need that kind of care. It, it doesn't know... Um, That kind of loneliness doesn't know the boundaries of of socioeconomic class or race or gender. It doesn't know any of that. People of all kinds feel that way. No matter where you are, no matter who you're around, you have opportunities to speak into those lives. I want to brag on my wife uh, for a second because it's Valentine's Day. (laughs) And, and I'm just real proud of her. She she's a teacher, been a first grade teacher for a long time, and recently had a, a student who was just going through it. I mean, as much as you can go through at first grade, he was he was doing that. Um, nothing that he could control. Just things happening in his life. His home life was kind of exploding around him. Uh, custody issues and all kinds of upheaval in his world. And for a week, almost a week. He wasn't at school because of that, because of the things that were going on. And towards the end of the week, he came back, and Jackie had an opportunity to sit down with him, and, and all she said was, um, hey, I, I know it's been a crazy week. And this first grader, six-year-old, said, yeah, it has. I mean, he, he was aware enough to know, yeah, this is not normal what I'm going through. And she said, I just want you to know, I care for you, we care for you at this school, and we want this to be a safe place. And if you need anything, this is a place of normalcy. So come to us. And that's all she said, just spoke those, those few words into his life. We spent a lot of time talking about that at home and praying over that because it's a powerful moment to be able to say that to somebody. And the question is, are we, are we, are we doing what it takes to be aware and to let the spirit lead us to those people who need to hear that.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think that's where we wanna kind of land today is, is just asking that question, like how, how can we do this? How do we restore worth and value to people? And I think it's, I think it's as simple as that. It's, it's taking the people in account around us and looking them in the eye and acknowledging their presence, acknowledging that they may be going through some stuff. I was reminded this week that people, man, all of us, man, we're all going through something. And sometimes you need someone to slow down long enough to, to look you in the eye to give you the time of day to ask the question and to show you that they, they're, they're there to listen and to love you through whatever it is you're going through. So how do, you, how, do you, how do you do that? How do you love the people around you? How do you acknowledge the people around you? How do you give them the time of day? Part of it is just being reminded that we have to do that, that there are people around you. And sometimes it's even the people that irritate you most, right? These are the people that you don't wanna have time for.
1: Are you pointing at me? Well,
0: I, I, I was leaning that way, but not on purpose. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, how do we do that? How do we, how do we love the person three rows behind us that drives us crazy? How do we love the guy on the, the, the road that's, that's, that's driving us bonkers? How do we do that? How do we, how do we restore the immeasurable worth that God is giving every person to every person? That's what we do, isn't it? That's what we carry as we leave this place. That's what we need to do.
1: And it's part of what we as a church try to answer, right, in, in everything that we do. And so we have missions opportunities where we try to send people into uh, to places all over the world to do this. Kind of almost as practice, right? I mean, to, to go meet other people and be able to to speak words of love um, in those places. In fact, we have an opportunity for that coming up for, with a, a trip, another trip to Honduras that I know um, Lisa Gould and James Templer are recruiting for, and if you're, you're interested in that, I know they'd love to, to uh, hear from you. Um, that's coming up this summer. We also have one of my favorite things we've started doing recently is every other Wednesday night, we go over to Sandy Lake Rehab um, here in, in Coppell, and we spend time with a group of people who are largely forgotten, folks who are older, Many of them struggling with, uh, with diseases like Alzheimer's. And we get to spend time just singing with them. Uh, we're we're kind of running out of time. I did want to share one great story that's happened out of that. Uh, DJ, in his time here, has come to, uh, to be a, a real integral part of, of leading those times of worship. And there was one lady one night, we always asked for requests And there was one lady who uh, made a request for a song, and we thought we knew what song she was talking about. Then we sang it, and we got done and said, was that it? And she said, nope. (laughs) No, that wasn't it. (laughs) So then we figured out we had no idea what song she was talking about. And um, I don't know how many of you know DJ well, but if you have found a hymn that DJ doesn't know, uh, you've really found one. Uh, He's got like 8,000 songbooks in his office. And he went hunting. He went hunting for that song, and it took a couple of weeks, and we found it. And we stumbled our way through it a few times. The first time we sang it at Sandy Lake, I don't think any of us missed the fact that she sat over bawling, bawling as we sang it. Because something in, in that touched, uh, touched something in her, a memory, uh, some kind of thing that, that set off this moment for her where you could tell. She felt valued and, and felt drawn to God in the midst uh, of all that. And all th- that's happening in tons of little moments as we go do that each week. But we also know that all of you, no matter where you're at, you're finding ways to do this. And we, I just want to open myself up to you. We'd love to hear those stories. Come tell us. Come tell us the ways you're, God's given you opportunities to do that.
0: So here's the rest of the story, and we'll, we'll wrap up. Luke 8, verse 37. This is what happens next. Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home saying, no, go back to your family and tell them everything that God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things that Jesus had done for him. I believe this is what happens when when we do this, when you and I participate in the life of the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth, when we restore worth to people, what happens so often is that they go about proclaiming all the good things that God has done for them. And that's why this is so important. That's why we, as we leave this place today and we go into our community, what we want to do is we want to be about restoring worth and value to people. So today when you're having lunch and your waiter, or your waitress comes and checks on you, Look them in the eye, call them by name, tip them well, restore worth to them as a person, as an individual, as a, as a, as a human being created in the image of God. As you, as you go about your day and you go shopping or you go into the community and you go into your neighborhood, do that, carry worth, carry the value and restore that worth and that value to the people you come into contact with because this is what we do when we participate in the life and the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. And then what happens is that we, we start We start hearing these stories of people proclaiming what God has done in them because we went about the work of participating in restoring worth and value because every person is a person with immeasurable worth. Uh, Church, if you would stand with me. Uh, The last thing I want to say is this, and and as Jason and I talked about and prayed about this this week, um, we also have this realization that in a room this size with this many people, not everybody understands or feels in this moment valued or that sense of worth. And if you're an elder or an elder of life, if you would I can ask those couples to kind of spread out around the room right now, we wanna close with this invitation, with this opportunity. If, If it's one of those weeks where you're having a rough week and we all have them, if it's one of those seasons where things aren't going your way and, and you're feeling less than. If it's one of those phases of life where where things are just kind of leaning in on you and the pressure's great and you just you just really are having a hard time and you don't feel you don't you don't feel this. You don't feel the sense of worth, you don't feel the sense of value, you feel like you're invisible, you feel like no one notices, you feel like no one knows. Maybe it's one of those times where you, you know intellectually in your, in your mind and your brain that you are a son, you are a daughter of God, but right now you don't feel that way. In fact, you've prayed and you've prayed and you're not even sure he hears you or that he answers. I get that. We've all been there. Some of us are there right now. And I wanna remind you that you are a person of immeasurable worth and that God's love for you is infinite and it is unending and it is unconditional and it is unyielding and it never ends. And it's gonna go on and on and on because God loves you so much. We know how much we're worth because he gave his son. And Jesus spread his arms on a cross and he gave his life for you and for me. That's how we know. And sometimes we say we're so unworthy and maybe we feel that way, but I think Jesus would say, no, you are worth it. You are worth it. And you are. And he can say that because he paid the price for you. He paid the highest price for you. So yeah, you have immeasurable worth. God loved you so much, he gave his son for you. And that's who you are. You are bought, you are paid for, you are forgiven, you are free, you are sons, you are daughters of the most high God. And you too are a person of immeasurable worth. And if for whatever reason you don't feel that way today, I want to invite you to go and pray with one of, one of our elders. Uh, and maybe they need to go and get you. It doesn't matter how it happens. But if you need to be prayed for, I want you to, to experience that prayer as we sing these words together.